Today on the Business Builders Podcast, we consider what's different about marketing to other businesses from marketing to consumers. Ron and I get just a little bit tongue-tied with the associated B2B and B2C acronyms, and we discuss our top six tips to increase your success at business-to-business sales and marketing. Well, welcome to the eighth episode of the Business Builders Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brenton Gowland. And I'm Ron Tomlin. Now, Ron, we reached a bit of a milestone just recently in that we passed the 500 downloads mark, and we're now well on the way to 1,000 downloads. It's great to know that people are finding it useful. As always, we welcome your, the listener's feedback, because mm. our goal is to make sure that this show provides you with real value. Now, on that point, the Build Business Builders podcast is all about providing your listeners with insights that help you succeed in business this year and into the future. But it doesn't happen without support. So here's a call out to all the wonderful folks at Nucleus, mm-hmm. whose generous support helps make this podcast a reality. Check them out at www.nucleus.com.au. And of course, SA Business Builders. We run monthly events here in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you want to come along, just reach out to Brendan and myself on LinkedIn, and we'll let you know what's coming up in the future. Mm-hmm. And a bit of exciting news. We have a new sponsor, Adaptco. Brenton, tell us more about our new sponsor. Well, Adaptco is a business that I've started, Ron, so I'm wearing two hats now. I'm a director of Nucleus, and I'm also the principal at Adaptco. Now, I started this out of the Adapt series that I created when COVID started. It's about helping businesses adapt to the new marketplace without the need to invest in significant internal marketing capability. And you'll be hearing more about Adaptco in coming episodes, Ron. Okay, well, I look forward to hearing about that, and I'm sure listeners do as well. Mm. So let's get stuck into today's topic. Good businesses understand their customers and work hard to provide value. I think that's clear. But what if your customers are other businesses? Mm. Is business-to-business marketing different from business-to-consumer marketing? And if so, in what way? This is a big question for many organizations that are currently delivering products or services to other businesses, or considering moving into adjacent markets that include business customers. So, Brenton, now I know you live in the space between these two worlds because you help organizations reach out to their customers or consumers, but your business itself services exclusively to organizational customers. Mm. So, in your experience, is there a difference? Well, business-to-consumer marketing, or B2C, is definitely different to -to business-to-business marketing, which is you know, referred to as B2B, but there are similar principles. For example, in both cases, you're working to convince the client, whether that is an individual or a business, that your product or service can solve their problem and meet their need. The major difference is, however, but you know, I'm speaking in a very general sense, is that in a B2C scenario, so business to consumer, you're primarily selling to one person or perhaps a household who is your customer. In a B2B scenario, so business to business, you're often selling to a larger group of people who have varying roles within the business that you're trying to sell to. So the decision-making process is often a lot more complex in a B2B scenario, which means the approach to selling is different to a B2C approach. Yeah, it's agreed. You sound like a bit of an engineer with all your use of uh, uh, acronyms there, but uh, I'll let you get away with it this time. Are we allowed to use the acronyms? Because yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. generally known as B2C or B2B. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure everyone knew what that was before I started using acronyms yeah, okay. all over the place. Fantastic. 
I've found in my roles associated with marketing that the fundamentals are the same, but the devil's in the detail. And that importantly, many businesses behave differently than household or individual customers based on one important consideration. And what is that, Ron? The buying process. When individuals buy for themselves or their household, they're using their own money. Even if it's on credit or finance, it's their money they're ultimately committing. This is why I found that small businesses tend to behave more like households. Yeah, good point. Because it is their money. But in the case of larger businesses, where buying decisions are made on behalf of the owner or the shareholders by employees of that organization, it's not their money they're committing. Hence, the buying process is and should be more accountable and more rigorous. And businesses selling to other businesses need to be acutely aware of this. Yeah. So our topic for today is, as you might have guessed, how to successfully market to business customers. Now, needless to say, it would take more time than we have today to cover such a broad topic. So we're going to confine our podcast to our top three tips for leaders and managers. And I've brought my top three tips. What about you, Ron? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, let's get started. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's get started. (laughs) All right. Starting with tip number one. It sounds obvious on the basis of what we've already said. But my first tip is to be explicit and to understand your business customer's buying process. Absolutely, that's critical. There are a number of considerations here, like who's involved in the buying process for your product or service? What are their roles? On what basis will the decision be made? Will it be on price alone, or are there other considerations more influential, like utility or credit? Who's the ultimate decision maker? Is it a person or is it a group? Mm. Are there people who act as gatekeepers who protect the decision makers from external influence or pestering by salesmen? Who are the users of the product and how much influence do they have in the decision on what they're going to be using? These are just some of the questions that you need to be able to answer, if not for each organization specifically that you're approaching, then for the category of businesses that you're targeting. Yeah. Look, this is a really important point, Ron, because If you want to make a sale, in my experience, to any large business, you really need to understand what the decision-making structure is internally for that company. For example, like if you're working with a company and you're dealing with uh, one point of contact, that person might not be the ultimate decision-maker. So whatever you present to them, they're going to have to take to their higher-ups and they're going to have to convince their higher-ups that your proposal is the one that they should choose or accept. So- It's very rare for the people that you present to, if they're presenting to other people within the company, to do it in a way that is authentic as you and that uh, understands your solution as well as you do. So you might want to do something in an example like this where with your proposal, you provide them with a video of you talking about the top points of your proposal, or you might want to create a presentation that makes it very straightforward for other people within that company to understand what you're presenting. But again, my point is, that if you understand the decision-making structure, it helps you craft your proposals and your offerings so that you can actually address the people that you need to address or the processes that they have in place. Yeah, uh, and I think you're sneaking in an extra little tip there on uh, one of my tips, but I'll let you get away with it this time. <laughs> okay. Okay, so tip number two, and this leads from tip number one, categorize potential customers into sensible groupings. Marketers often refer to this as segmenting the market, but I don't want to use that jargon. The logical group may come from customers who have a similar need or buy in a similar way. For instance, government agencies will often use a tender process for buying to aid transparency, but so do larger businesses. So you may decide to put these organizations into the same category in terms of how you approach them. 
as opposed to small businesses that rely more on relationships and quick response. Mm. Whatever basis your grouping comes from, this approach helps you focus your attention on those customers for whom you can provide the greatest value who are, and who are the most attractive to you. And that's what marketers refer to as targeting. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about segmenting and targeting. And look, from my experience, segmenting really enables you to make your message and your offering more specific to the clients you're targeting rather than just being general. So you start with building a clear strategy. What industries are we going to target? Who are who are our ideal customers within those industries? And and what are their needs and so on? And this then helps you identify your market segments. Yeah, and it, it doesn't matter where it starts. It's an iterative process because the more you find out about that particular market and the uh, participants in it, the more you'll have, be able to create a better category of customers. Yeah, cool. So what's your third tip, Ron? Tip number three is to identify the problem and understand the problem that you're solving for your customer. Mm -hmm. So often... I find that we get caught up in the features and benefits we think the customer is looking for rather than understanding what problem we're solving for the customer. And sometimes that's not so obvious. It's important to unpack what the customer situation is because this will provide clues to what aspects of your offering they may value and what they don't. It might not only be in the service of product. For example, it might be things like the terms you offer or the availability of services and products compared to competition. For example, just recently, the pandemic has significantly affected transport and logistics. Those companies that have stock available, even at higher prices, provided greater value for their customers because they were able to deliver. So it's worth taking the time to clearly identify what's important to your business customer and be able to deliver that. Yeah, so an example might be, Ron, if your customer has a preference for supporting local content, you'd need to supply an offering that's built from homegrown local products and services, et cetera, yeah? Yes. And don't forget to explore with the customer what would happen if they don't solve this problem. Mm. It's not unusual for business people to not consider the consequences of doing nothing until it's too late. Yeah, agreed. And it's about listening and actually developing a solution that fits the client's needs and building your offering from that. And in fact, it's about delivering true value for that customer. And sometimes that might mean educating them about their blind spots. Yeah, and understanding what value means for them. Yeah, 100%. So, I've given you my top three tips. What about yours? Okay. Well, my first tip is actually to understand the opportunities that are not for you. Um, so, who will you not approach and who is not a good client for you? So, for example, like if you're doing tenders for a bigger businesses, you know, a tender can essentially in time cost you thousands of dollars. Like I know companies that, you know, a tender response might be $10,000 or, or $50,000 or in larger projects like half a million dollars to actually tender for those opportunities. So you really need to have, in my opinion, what I call a go, no-go um, checklist. So to enable you to make good decisions about, you know, what you get involved with, because your time is, you know, they say time is money. And if you're wasting a lot of time on something, you're never going to win. There's no point. So look, one example of what might be on a checklist, and I mentioned tenders, is do I personally know the company or the person who's asking me to tender? Because if you are cold tendering and they don't know who you are, I think you have a lot less of a choice than if you're, in a sense, warm tendering, i.e. the company has some sort of relationship with you. They know who you are. So therefore, you know, when you submit a response, there's already a level of trust that you might have with that organization. So on my go, no-go list, 
I've got where has the invite come from? Is it from someone I know? If it's a yes, then it's a tick. I will um, progress that to the next points in my go, no-go list, and that's passing the test so far. But if I don't know them and it's a cold tender, then that box doesn't get checked, and I generally don't go for that tender. So it's really about deciding the type of clients you're willing and able to serve and those you're not. Correct, 100%. And you do the same thing for businesses, what businesses are a good fit and what businesses are not. And look, uh, my second tip is I believe you know, one thing that people really need to do is build multi-level relationships within the company that they want to work with or the company they're already working with. So look, if you're working with someone already and you're just dealing with one person with that organization, you might've been dealing with them for years and you're providing services to them, but you've only stuck to that one person. If that one person leaves a company and someone comes in who and takes their role that doesn't know you, you're at huge risk of your business being lost because they might bring in their preferred supplier. But if you've got relationships at several levels within the company and someone new comes in, it makes them very hard to move you on because there's already a level of comfort with your organization and a level of relationship that makes you a much better offering than say, if you're just dealing with one person. And in the same way, if you're trying to win work, if you build multi-level relationships within a company, it gives you the ability to ask the right questions and really understand the problem from multiple angles that you're trying to solve. It helps you understand the the organization much better. And then ultimately, when you put a proposal on the table or bring them your offering, you've already got a level of familiarity again within that company that helps your cause. So it all goes towards building trust, building an understanding of your capability, the more relationships you have within a company. And ultimately that can lead to work. Yeah. And it goes back to that point that I was talking about before of understanding the problem you're solving. If you've got multiple points of contact, then you've got a much better capacity to see the different perspectives and understand the total problem rather than just from one perspective. Yeah, true. And I think uh, in the art of war, they call it the uh, pincer approach, don't they? Come from multiple angles. Something like that. Correct. So my final tip is that authenticity is paramount. So the businesses that you're trying to sell to are also trying to sell to other people. So it's very likely that the people that you're meeting with from these companies already know all the tricks, all the techniques, and all the same sales methods that you do. So in effect, you're saying they have a very accurate bullshit meter. (laughs) Precisely, Ron. So if you want to really get results, you have to truly listen, build trust, and as we said earlier, create a solution that they really need. If you're salesy, More often than not, they can smell that a mile away and you can kiss your opportunities goodbye because you're being inauthentic and, you know, it shows that you're more interested in a sale than a relationship. But if you can demonstrate that your offering can deliver real value, that's when you really start to get traction in a B2B sales environment. Absolutely. In my experience, great business-to-business salespeople are not great talkers, they're great listeners. And very good at asking relevant questions, correct? That's exactly what I mean by a great listener. As I mentioned when we started, we could go on for hours, but I doubt that would help. I find that taking just one idea from the podcast today and doing something with it is more useful than considering 10 and doing nothing more than that. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's about gleaning something. So I, I try to glean something from every podcast I listen to, just one thing that I can take and put into action. And that then improves my performance, maybe just by a slight bit, but you keep adding that up over time. And it becomes very significant in the future. So definitely, I hope there's something in 
today's episode that you'll be able to glean and do something with. And look, I think you know each of the points that we've talked about today are really important, Ron. So it might be worth actually doing a whole podcast on each of those points in the future. What do you think? That's an interesting idea, but I don't think we've cornered the market on good ideas for business-to-business marketing. So here's a call out to our listeners. What's your top tip for business-to-business marketing? That's a great idea, Ron. If you have any suggestions, please reach out to either Ron or myself on LinkedIn and you never know. We might even get you on the show to talk about your business-to-business ideas because look, Ron and I are both in the business of learning and having discussions like this and discussions with you is a great way for all of us to learn. So why not? We might get someone on the show if they've got a good idea, Ron. Yeah, great idea. And don't forget to check out our sponsors, Nucleus at nucleus.com.au. And you'll be hearing more from Brenton about Adapco over the coming weeks. But if you're impatient, and I know some of you are and want to learn more, just reach out to Brenton on LinkedIn. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to chat. And don't forget SA Business Builders. We've got events coming up every month. So again, just reach out to Ron and myself on LinkedIn and we'd be more than happy to let you know about the schedule and um, potentially invite you along. So just reach out. And look, thank you for joining us. As we said earlier, we hope you found this useful and that you can glean at least one thing from this episode that'll help you in business. But until next time, it's bye from me. And bye from me. See you in the next episode. I am looking forward to it, Ron. Have a great week. Bye for now. You too.